Well, hello, I'm here with Doug, and uh, we're going to talk about jamming. It is Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. And uh, so there's a story on Tom's Hardware about uh, burglaries in Minnesota. There were nine burglaries, and what these crooks did was they turned on a jammer and jammed the security cameras first. And they, they haven't heard of this before, but it is pretty obvious. Everybody's uh, security cameras work by Wi-Fi. And you can just buy a jammer online for a few hundred bucks. They're illegal to use, but, you know, um, then they won't get any video. It seems like a brilliant idea, and I bet it would work at a lot of places. Unless your camera's actually connected with a hardwired cable, it'll knock it out. And uh, so that when I put this on Mastodon, somebody immediately said, you know, uh, this is the real use case of the flipper. And I said, a flipper couldn't possibly jam Wi-Fi, but it can. I went and found a demonstration. Um, there's uh, The Computer Noob has an article, How to Jam Frequencies with the Flipper Zero. So I don't know if a Flipper Zero can really do it over a long enough range to be as effective, but you can, to some extent, jam frequencies with the Flipper Zero by putting in special firmware. So uh, that's an interesting possible attack from it. You certainly could do a de-auth attack, which is much weaker. That will only affect Wi-Fi, but you can actually jam ranges to some extent with a flipper zero. So yeah. So Sam, you know, a couple what couple episodes ago, I talked about a truck being stolen, and the truck was being stolen. Um, the cameras just went blank. Ah. Oh. So what what happened is there was a car that drove up. Just to refresh, recap. Mm -hmm. Um, there were a number of security cameras, and the ones that were close to the parking lot, the parking area, mm. went blank, where the ones in the distance remained on. As awesome. soon as yeah. as soon as the lead car drove away, the cameras resumed. So one would assume, yeah, not sure, but one would assume that those frequencies are being jammed and or and or the cameras that were working were all wired or they were out of range. Yeah, now the sense. other yeah, the other thing is when they when they try and use license plate recognition to track the truck driving on highways or to see where it popped up, what they find is there was one car and it happened to be a Mustang that would go first, the cameras would blank. These are the the state cameras for license plate recognition. Those cameras would go blank for I don't know, five, 10 seconds, and then resume. And the thought is that that's a jammer and the stolen car with the stolen plates is not being recorded. Mm. Now, if you ask me, that's kind of risky because you're assuming that the jammer is going to work and be successful and be highly successful. Well, so what, fair, what are I mean, your thoughts? Well, yeah. to be fair, you're a crook, right? And you're going to leave some evidence. And by jamming, you're going to leave less evidence. So it just seems right. a risk reduction strategy. Yeah, yeah. And and I think you would probably be able to get a uh, higher power transmitter. And yeah. you could take that signal and repeat it and kind of blast it out. So and better, you know, larger, bigger antenna. Directional, uh, you know, directional antenna might help as well to boost the signal of the, of the flipper. 
Well, yes, probably would. But I mean, clearly for what you're describing, you need a more powerful device. Yeah, yeah. Now, it, I, I do know that on YouTube, um, I think his name's David Bomble. He does a lot of Cisco videos and networking, things like that. And he's talked about the flipper. And I believe he gave a demonstration where he was on a football field and he was over 300 yards away and the flipper was able to still jam or, or no, I know he did a, um, D-off probably. A, no, it wasn't a D auth. It was, he used the flipper to get a, uh, a key key fob to duplicate a key fob. Right. Right. And I believe he was a football field, if not two football fields away. So that's, you know, a hundred yards, maybe two hundred yards. That's that's pretty pretty good range, I would think. Yeah, but that's a detectable signal, which is much weaker than uh, a jamming. True. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamming yeah. signal, you want to overload, right? You want to overwhelm the signal yeah. of the of the jamming a jamming signal has to put the legitimate signal signal into the noise range, right. so it gets drowned out, if you will. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, so I've I've got a story on the flipper too. This is yeah. up in Canada. This is not in the U.S., but Canadians or or politicians are hard at work up there in Canada, and I suppose that they will be in the U.S. as well. And they want to make devices like flipper illegal. Yeah. Now, devices like that are already illegal, and they're not specifically calling out the flipper. But they're saying any device that can intercept and pick up a um, like a key fob or garage door, anything that's able to reproduce those signals, doggone it, we need to make those illegal because only criminals are going to use those. Yeah, you know, I I, I went to uh, uh, Layer One Con a few years ago, and there's a guy there giving a talk about how by like 1850, they outlawed lockpicks for exactly this reason. Yes, and that's highly successful. Yeah, he said they succeeded in ending the development of locks, which is why the locks we're using today were designed in 1850, which is why they're so easy to pick. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to see how easy locks are to pick, most locks, go over to YouTube and there's the lock picking lawyer. And yeah. it, it's amazing. Like a lot of these padlocks that you pay $50 for, you can take two hammers, wrap them together, and it's quicker to open them with the key. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I I, uh, I used to teach lock picking in my ethical hacking class, and a whole class of students within forty five minutes, they're all picking a lock. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, they, they, <laughs> I went to the lock pick village at DefCon. I learned how to do it. You take the pins out of some of the locks. You make it easier. You make bunch at one pin, two, three, four, five, and then you can practice. And after you, if you go step by step, it's very easy to teach everybody how to pick a lock. It's, yeah, yeah. It's not and and there, hard at all. Yeah, and that's not to say that there aren't some locks that are more difficult. Yeah. There there are, but they're also extremely pricey. Well, apparently not. You know, the nine hundred dollar no? on the White House is easily picked. Uh as you might expect in any field where the quality is not obvious, the price is not well connected to the quality. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that's um, the issue is that law in Canada, they were thinking about getting in cars. And what people say is there's no car made in the last 30 years that you can actually get into with a flipper. That's what I've seen Pentest say that. 
that because all uh, Clipper does is record and replay. It doesn't able to make the uh, the mathematics to predict the next one. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure because we've got the video that I don't know if I played that, hmm. but you can see that there's a Mustang that drives up. Yeah, And in less than 20 seconds, somebody's in the car and the car is open and running. Sure, but he's not using a flipper zero to do that. No, I'm not. We, we don't know. Well, we don't yeah, know but I mean, I'm device. pretty, but the people, that, that's what I've read. People say the flipper zero is far too simple and elementary a device to do a much oh. hack on a modern car. Yeah, yeah. There are other devices out there that right. are more, much more expensive, but much more efficient. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. are the ones that you might want to outlaw, but outlawing the flipper is kind of pointless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would agree. That that's like outlawing fences that are three feet high to keep people out. Yeah, yeah. Or outlawing lockpicks, like which some American states do, but not California. Yeah. It's, anyway. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. So this keeps going around, but they keep outlawing like hacking tools. They did it in Germany. They did it in other countries. It keeps going around. Like I yeah. call Linux was outlawed in some countries. I may still be. This this is the endless debate of the dual use technology. Yeah, and all this is going to do is drive up the price of Flipper. Right? Well, yeah, sure. It'll make it it'll make it more illegal and exciting. Yeah, more exciting. When I was a kid, they said this about drugs. They said if you legalize drugs, people will consume them less. I don't think that's true, but the argument was that it's being illegal that makes them attractive. You know, to a certain degree, I think it is. And, and I, I, I think there's a, a hint of truth to that. I think it can go either way. Yeah. 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 Right. You know, the, the other thing that I'll tell you about car fobs, mm -hmm. and this has happened to me twice, where I'll get a rental car and I'll be in a parking lot someplace and I'll push the button to unlock the car. And I get two cars that do the beep, beep and unlock. Oh, really? And it's, oh my gosh, how That's could that be? Right. Must be two of us pressing the button at the same time. Oh, well, that was so then I push it again to lock it. And sure enough, beep, beep, I get two cars that lock. Wow. And I push the button what? again and beep, beep. So what's happened what is, car is that? Uh, these were Chevrolets or Fords, American Cause, cars. Because, you know, I know the old VW Bugs were that way. I had a friend, the old VW Bugs only had like a small number of possible keys. So I had a friend who went out and in a rush, went to the car, unlocked the car, drove away, and the cops pulled him over and said, it's somebody else's car. He said, oh, no, it's the same color as my car, my key works. Oh, that isn't my stuff. It is just another, another <laughs> and that's why they didn't lock them up. The, your keys had such a small number of possibilities that your key might work in another VW bug you would find. Yeah, but, you know, you pull into a, a mall parking lot, Walmart parking lot at Christmas time. Yeah. You've got, I don't know how many codes, but there are probably millions of codes. Yeah. But, but there is a finite number yeah. of those codes. And there are millions of GM cars that are out there that are all using the same key fob. But, you know, this is no different than MAC addresses or anything else. You should be able to right. make it like 24 bits to where the chance of a collision is very small. Well, the chances of a collision are very small. Well, it should, but it's so still fine. Well, yeah, but it should be so that you shouldn't be able to have any anecdotes like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but... 
you know, I told this story to a friend of mine, and he said, you know, same thing happened to me. Which tells me that it must be a small number of possibilities, like a thousand possibilities. It can't be a million, or you would not have two of these stories. True. Yeah, true. But, yeah. you know, there are people who win the lottery multiple well, times. But this would mean that I could pretty easily make something that just broadcasts all 1,000 codes until I get in. Yeah, yeah, true. That's not true. good. Yeah. 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 All right. No disagreement there. Yeah. All right. You got another story yeah. for us. And I think it fits in with your story that there are devices that do just open the car. Apparently there yeah. is some security flaw that has not been addressed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. 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 Well, you, anyway. you know, Sam, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of tangent story here. Yeah. When the Boeing 777 MAX was, was first released. Oh yeah. Um, this is an older story, but, there's a clock, right? There's a, I think it's a Linux, modified Linux operating system that Boeing uses. And the clock is set up, and I forgot the number of bits, but it's, it's let's say, um, 16 bits. And they're down to the millisecond or maybe the microsecond is what the clock, that's what the number of bits are allocated for. And the programmer said, you know, uh, and I don't know if this was intentional or unintentional, and you probably know this story, but when we got to, essentially, we ran out of bits that we're now flipping over back to zero, like an, ad an odometer in a car, the plane would reboot, and it would take about 45 seconds, and it didn't matter if the plane was in flight, if it was on the ground, on the runway, taxiing, taking off, landing, and luckily, there were no planes that crashed, but the thought was that when the planes were parked in the evening, that the pilots and the airline would shut down the computers, and therefore, they would never reboot during a flight because it would be maybe a year mm. or, or whatever the time element was. We could look that up. Mm. I don't remember off the top of my head. But in reality, they don't shut the computers down, and they keep running. And it was two mistakes like that. So they increased the bits by, I think, four. And now they're not going to have the problem because it'll take 50 years for the plane to reboot sometime, something like that. Yeah, yeah. This is this is job security. So, so you know, this, yeah, this randomness, sometimes yeah. you got to think through this, you know, number of key codes. Yep. You know, you would think GM that creates millions of cars would use more than a thousand random numbers. Well, so I, you know, the I'm thing, just saying there are just so many little things to worry about. Right. Somewhere in your development pipeline, there is some guy that's in a hurry that just uses some standard library without worrying about it. <laughs> You just pick a number, right? Yeah. Like like we did yeah. the date code, we'd use two numbers for the yeah. year. Yeah. And that worked fine until we came up to the end of the deck into uh end of the century. Yeah, yeah, I understand it. I'm I've been yes. in a hurry and just done something that's good enough for now and I'll fix it later. Yeah, just like with security. All <laughs> right, enough yeah. on that. What's your yeah. other what's your other well there's an article here. here which again talks about the deep fakes, which we talked about previously. But what they have a few interesting new features. One is that the they say the face swap attacks. There's specific software that will just replace the face in a video or a picture with another face. There's and they say these things have gone up by like seven hundred percent from the first to the second half of twenty twenty three. 
And there's tools called Swap Face, Deep Face Live, and Swap Stream that do this. And now there's that story we talked about where they uh, made a Zoom call with many fake people that trick someone into sending a lot of money. Oh, yeah. But the other one they said was uh, in last year, the FBI has warned about a rising number of scanners using deep fake technology to impersonate job candidates during interviews for remote positions. So you hire, and I've heard about this quite a bit, you hire somebody and they are something like a North Korean agent pretending to be, you know, like an American software engineer or something. Yeah. So uh, the deep fakes are recising really fast. So we're going to see a lot more of them. And I remember there was oh, yeah. uh, there was yeah. the one just a few weeks ago, like Trump had a picture of him praying that was obviously AI created because he had too many fingers. <laughs> you know, this kind of thing. <laughs> So so now now we have fake Zoom calls, yeah, right, with CEOs that are directing people to do things where everybody is is AI generated except for good. one person who look the like victim. the right person. They sound like the right. Sound person. like the yep yep. And now what you're saying is we've got job candidates doing that. Yeah, yeah. You could just take a video of somebody like one of us and then apply for a job and appear in the Zoom call as us, sounding like us. <laughs> and now you know i got a lot of jobs that are fully remote all my consulting gigs none of those people know who i really am i could be a north korean hacker fake. pretending to be you Sam. could be ai i could be AI. they're just hiring me they're trusting me in their internal network you know <laughs> yeah it's pretty awful yeah. if you think about this it reminds me of like back in the 90s, when we just sent Microsoft Office attachments everywhere and double-clicked them without realizing they could have scripts in them. But everybody did that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Even when you the told risk. them. Yeah. Even when you told them, don't yeah, but, click, people would say, oh. But it was how yeah. you do everything. Everything was a Word document or an Excel file attached to an email. Not doing that would seem to like paralyze your whole business. Yeah. And and so, I mean, if you couldn't get on a Zoom call like this and talk to people and then tell them to work and then check in tomorrow to see if they did it, and you're worried, is that really the right person? I don't understand how you get anything done. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's going to get challenging. Well, yeah. it already has been, but I think we don't have a solution yet. Things are going to get worse. Well, I have my traditional threat modeling solution. The fact is yeah. I'm too insignificant and unimportant for anybody to invest much effort into attacking me. But the problem is it doesn't sound like it takes much effort to attack you anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Anyway, and it, yeah. you know, to be fair about this, you don't need technology to do this because if we go back to World War II days and the Manhattan Project, there were some British spies that were um, had infiltrated, and Stalin knew a, a Stalin knew what was going on that a bomb was being created, and yeah. it was kind of no surprise to him when Truman told him that. Well, yeah, that's the old-fashioned technique, but they didn't actually yeah. create a specific person; they just you know applied through channels. Yeah, it's more, yeah, yeah. It's, so, I mean, this is all any security measure does is make it more expensive to attack you. Yeah, yeah, true. True. Anyway, uh, let's go on. So I, I got another one here, yeah. kind of like, you know, Apple. When you think of Apple and iOS and apps. Well, you know, Apple says they yes. charge 30%, but that's so they can make the store safe. Yes. But what's happened is there's a LastPass impersonator app 
yeah. or impersonation app, I should say, that appeared in the App Store that Apple had certified. Yeah. And it turns out to be completely bogus. And it would go through and harvest your last pass passwords yeah. or your password vault. Now, if you took a look at it, it had five-star reviews. There was no four-star, three-star, two-star, one-star. It was all, it was 100% five-star, all one of them. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, and it spelled last, L-A-S-S. Yeah, yeah. But, but it still, was close. You, it was close enough, right, yeah. that, that you had to really kind of look, the little icon, right? You think, ah, oh, it's close enough. But, you know, here's how you test, right? Here's how you know that it was a fake. When you look to see the other apps that this author created, there was nothing. Yeah. And you look at, um, I think there was some other, the date that the author came on and started creating apps. So, you know, it was fake. Yeah, and looking at the number if, of downloads if, is a clue, too. I mean, the real LastPass must have millions of downloads, and this probably only had a few. Yeah, yeah, the number of downloads. So, you know, as you go through this, don't trust stars. Don't trust the icon. Don't trust the name, because sometimes we're all fallible and but we miss see things. That puts yeah. such a burden on the end user. They're supposed to notice all these clues, and of course, a lot of them won't. I mean. Yeah, yeah. But this kind of defeats the purpose of Apple in lawmakers' eyes. Yeah. And this this kind of goes back where Microsoft and Bill Gates was saying, oh, you can't remove Internet Explorer from Windows. And the judge goes into chambers and the judges, um, you know, aid. <laughs> yes, look, here's how you do it. Yeah. And so, you know, this is kind of the same thing. Apple is saying, look, people are paying a premium for our security and here they're not doing it. Well, or they failed on us, well, at least fair. for this one. To yes. be fair, I think the app, the Apple App Store, is much cleaner than the Google Play Store. Oh, and definitely. it's much cleaner than the short-lived Microsoft Phone App Store that was all full of spam. So, I mean, <laughs> they do put a lot of effort into cleaning it, but uh, I think it's also true that they charge outrageously too much money for that. And I think Europe is busting them with European yeah. regulations are forcing them to stop charging so much and allow alternative app stores. You know, would be interesting, Sam is if the European lawmakers made Apple go to the 99 cents. Like, didn't, isn't yeah. that what they yeah. did for the uh, for songs? It was 99 uh, that was, cents? That was... Um, Am I mistaken on that? That was not the Europeans, I believe that. No, 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 not the Europeans, but That's Apple Steve said... Job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Steve Jobs said 99 cents. He forced the That's music industry the... to knock it off and go down to 99 cents for a song. That's right. And I think that's essentially what the Europeans are going to do to Apple. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Apple's getting a taste of its own medicine, so to speak. We'll see. Yeah, well, well, I mean, we'll this shows that there's some level of monopoly power and abuse that you will finally get punished, although not apparently by the U.S. system that is too corrupt to do anything, but apparently Europeans are able to do something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You got another story for us, Sam. I got one more. There's an article okay. about a new Wi-Fi technology, new to me, called um, Halo. H-A-L-O-W. And this yeah. is a competitor for LoRa, L-O-R-A, which I'd heard of. And it apparently can reach three kilometers with a uh, tiny battery that will last for months. It's low power, long range, and intended for the Internet of Things to make a mesh, you know. And so there are several of these things. And they say it's the 802.11 AH standard. 
It operates okay. in sub-gigahertz at 850 to 950 megahertz, so it can penetrate obstacles, walls, and buildings. And that means it can have a 10 times the range. So they were able to take a signal that started at like 15 megs, uh, at, at 17 megs, at 250 meters, and it dropped down to 1 meg. So anyway, they were able to still continue a call over it. So, you know, it's it apparently can go pretty far. And, so wait, uh, and yeah. So this is a new Wi-Fi standard. Well, right? new, yeah, relatively new. Yeah, there are several yeah. competing for the long-range, low-power Wi-Fi standard. Um, Halo and LoRa seem to be the big ones. Yeah. So no products yet. This is still in research R and D phase, research development phase. I imagine. I think there are some LoRa products now, though. I think that one might be a little bit ahead, L O R A, but I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. And anyway, so. so yeah, so you know it's interesting. NASA was just playing around with with technology, and they've been able to send a um, cat video from deep space back to Earth yeah. using IR. So the the benefit of that is that you've got a directional. It's a I believe it's a laser IR, right? And they're able to send high bandwidth back to Earth from deep space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know. So, this sounds like it'd be very useful for things like air tags, you know. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see, right? Yeah. Technology is always uh in in increasing. Oh yeah. Our knowledge, right? Our our knowledge level of the technology. We keep trying new things. Yeah, you know, this uh is a discussion I had on Mastodon recently. There's one guy said, you know, the problem is humans doing stupid things. And I said, I think all of our problems are really human psychology. And this is something I've never seen anybody write this down, but I wondered about Moore's law one time, right? You know, you have Moore's law, you double the power of computers every 18 months. And this has gone on for like 60 years through complete whole generations of technology. And my theory has been, this is not a matter of physical science. This is a matter of how fast the human mind can develop. It's the only thing that's been a constant there is how long well, it takes you to actually deploy something and get it working and deploy the next thing and get it working. Yeah, but, you know, there's also an element of randomness, and I would argue, and it has to be the right person, the right technology. We've developed our knowledge enough that we can create some new technology based on what we have. And an example I'll give you is Edison yeah. and um, and uh, Tesla, that if they were born 50 years earlier, electricity, they wouldn't be at the right place at the right time with the technology. I don't agree. I think yes. if Tesla had been removed, somebody else would have just taken up the slack without a significant delay. I think no, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, that I agree. But if Tesla were born a hundred years earlier, yeah, then the technology, the knowledge base of the technology right, that we had have. at the time, he wouldn't. Right. That's right. I think that's what I'm saying. I think the only thing you can do yeah. is you can take what's already there and you can go one step forward. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of clever people, and so it's the rate of like human understanding and ingenuity is what Moore's law is. It's not really like a fundamental physical principle. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And therefore, I tend to agree with Ray Kurzweil that we're now approaching the singularity. When the AIs get smarter, they will develop <laughs> at a whole much different rate if they do. You know, if the AGI happens or anything close to it, then you'll suddenly have a different psychology controlling development and the development will be exponentially faster. 
Yeah, yeah. So, but I don't so, think we'll ever reach AGI because now I understand a lot more about how AI works and it is really, really fundamentally stupid. It's really not doing anything more than just fitting a curve through some points. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? That's what it's yeah. always been about. And, and uh, however, you could ask, what are we doing as living humans? Is it really something different? I guess that's what we're going to find out experimentally over the next decade or so. Yeah, but th this is where you have people that can think outside the box, like like Jobs did. If we yeah. stick in the computer industry, that you can have an iPhone or you can have an iPod or you know the microcomputer industry. If you remember way back when in the eighties, people were saying, "Oh, who's going to want a computer on their desk?" That's let right. alone. Right, carry yep. one around with you, or one that's a phone that wasn't even dreamt of, except maybe in sci-fi movies and TV shows. Well, you know, this is why technologies love technologists love fantasy and science fiction and everything. That's how you think about the future, and I yeah. think that's why they're more gullible for like frauds, like psychic frauds, because they're willing to entertain strange possibilities and exciting new possibilities. They're not connected to the ground, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's not to say all good ideas are going to be make sense. And I had a college professor that would say when students would come up and say, you know, I've got this great idea. And he would say, you know, that makes as much sense as a shovel with a rope for a handle. Yeah. And yeah. it's nice. You can make it compact. You can put it in a backpack. You can carry it around, except when you go to use it, it makes no sense whatsoever at all. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of things like that. A lot of the software we use has teachers like that. Yeah. yeah. So I got one more story for you, Sam. All right. All right. This one's the electric car industry, specifically in California. And as you and most people know, PG&E um, is one of the largest or the largest power company in the United States. And rates are going up. They're responsible for several fires in California. And here we have the EV industry and the solar industry that's kind of taken a big bite out of California's profits, not the EV industry, obviously. But we're trying to go green in California. A lot of people are buying EV cars. And I got to tell you, I'm one of them. I'm very pleased with the cars that I have. Mm -hmm. I haven't been to a gas station in, in over a year. Um, cause I've got a fully electric EV. Now what the rub is, or what's going on right now with PG&E is doing is they just got approved for another rate hike. Now, listen so they to me. Bury the lines. Yeah. So yeah, to bury the lines, which is going to be impossible for a lot of areas just because of the size of, of the Western United States and what people expect to be buried is impossible especially when you're going through the Sierra Nevadas, when you have all the rock and everything, we're talking about boring holes. That's never going to happen, right? It's it's too costly to do that. And ratepayers will never pay that. But maybe but the here's, is low up there. But that's where the fires are. That's where oh, the that's paradise. Bad, okay. Yeah, that's may, maybe I'll share that with you next. Uh, yeah. That'll be a topic for next Friday's episode yeah. kind of the paradise fire i've researched that quite mm. a bit okay. but here's here's where i'm going with pg&e and the rates so they're raising the rates now i'm gonna mislead for just a moment here 
but PG&E has what are called time of use rates. So you pay a different rate during the day, you pay a different rate in the evening, you pay a different rate in in uh, nighttime, uh, late night. And the, the thought is you charge your car overnight, which makes sense when the rates are low. Mm-hmm. However, pg is raising rates. Now, if we go with the worst possible rate, meaning the most expensive, it's looking like PG&E is going to be charging a dollar a kilowatt, which is outrageously expensive over maybe the next within two years with PG&E's rate increases. And this is for summer peak. So this is the most expensive, expensive of all the times. Mm-hmm. But next city over, you can get electricity for 19 cents at the same time. And again, I'm, I'm, doing some exaggerations, some extrapolations here. But if PG&E gets to a dollar a kilowatt, that's equivalent in gasoline being $10 a gallon is where I'm going with this story. Yeah. Now, it, 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 uh, if we go to 50 cents, which is probably what PG&E is going to be at the end of this year for the off-peak, that's the equivalent of gasoline being at roughly about $5 a gallon. So this is now starting to make EVs not as attractive. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen here. I've heard this already that EVs use up a lot of electricity and are not really a whole lot cheaper than gas. Well, they have been in the past, but you're right with this TOU pricing and, and, you know, it depends. It, there are people in the United States that are paying a nickel a kilowatt. If you're up in Washington State, if you're in North Dakota, South Dakota, depending on where you are, yeah. electricity is incredibly inexpensive. Yeah, well, but if you take another article and they said that not only are we not going to have enough power to power the EVs, we're already running out of power to power the data centers with AI. Apparently, the power grid is getting to be a real restriction on a lot of our technology. Yeah, well, something I learned I didn't know is in San Francisco, San Francisco General Hospital requires so much electricity that PG&E couldn't deliver it to them without installing a new substation. This is years ago. This is nothing new. Yeah. So uh, UCSF, in, and, and I'm not sure if this is in partnership with, with PG&E, but they have their own power generation station. So they produce, I believe, about a third of the electricity that the hospital uses because PG&E couldn't deliver it. Yeah, well, and with EV rollout and AI, there's going to be a lot more crazy things. Yep, yep. And we got to factor in that cryptocurrency mining in bitcoins the amount of electricity that we need to keep those going i don't know i think they're not a big bit per day i but it'll just depend on the price if the price of bitcoin goes up it'll rise again yeah but the power the amount of power energy needed to do all the mining and transactions that that depends on the price of bitcoin yeah yeah so right now it's probably not much but it will be a lot if bitcoin goes up again yeah yeah all right. Well, I think. Well, that's, that's all I have for today. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll be back on Friday. Sounds good. All right.